going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, and this is your preview for Crown Jewel 2023. At least I'm getting this up to you guys. I gotta say, big fall down on my part in the past week or so. I don't think we've done WWE last week in about two to three weeks. I was not able to get you guys a review for the second half of Halloween Havoc, which was really fucking good, but on the other side of the coin, I do have in the can two episodes of NXT Rewind that are coming to you guys November 18th and December 30th. Don't bother looking into those dates. They have no significance whatsoever. Uh, those are obviously going to be for TakeOver Brooklyn and TakeOver Respect, respectively. Um, yeah, the, uh, the days and weeks have kind of gotten away from me. Long story short, uh, the only other things I wanted to come up here and talk to you guys about ahead of time was WWE's going international again. We know about the uh, Elimination Chamber in Perth. We know about the bash in Berlin. And we know that they are speculating that Backlash next year is going to be in Paris, France. Which is awesome. You guys know what I think about the international shows, including this one. I know that's a controversial take, but we'll get there when we get there. I do think it's hysterical that people are saying WWE is only going international to fuck with AEW, who have had exactly one international show. No, when they came up here to Canada to do Forbidden Door, I don't count that as international, considering most Americans consider Canada as the 51st state. So they've done one international show. They did all in. They fudged the numbers something wild, but they did one show. Was it entertaining? Yeah, somewhat. One of the best parts was on the pre-show when we all saw Simon Miller. Hey, shout out to Simon Miller, who's about to make his debut on Impact, soon to be TNA. That's another story for... That's several stories for another day. But I do think it's really cool. Go to places where you've never been before. You get the reaction of the starving fan. And that sounds terrible, but it's not. In North America, and I'm counting America and Canada, because I'm, I'm in Toronto and we get it quite a bit, we do get pretty sedentary. We do um, take it for granted, quite honestly. In a, in a calendar year, I've seen an Impact pay-per-view, a WWE, uh, well not a WWE pay-per-view, but lots of WWE shows, and an AEW pay-per-view, kind of. Fuck going to Dynamite, because they were charging ridiculous prices for a building that WWE does house shows in. But I saw Collision, when Punk was there, you know, when it was good. I saw Forbidden Door, where I got to see Will Ospreay live for the first time, and Kenny Omega and him had a really fucking good match. We are spoiled here in Toronto. I think, as a whole, the southern part of Canada, as well as the states, are completely spoiled. So when they go anywhere else... Look at the Puerto Rico... I'm sorry, I'm going to run through it again. Look at the Puerto Rico crowd. Look at the UK crowd for Money in the Bank. Look at the um, Cardiff crowd for Clash at the Castle. I will go back in time and say, look at something like Beast in the East. I will, I'm about to, eventually, uh, on NXT Rewind, I'm going to eventually get to NXT TakeOver London. These shows are wild because of the crowd, because they're a crowd that never gets served unless it's like an international tour and they get maybe a house show. And that's kind of shit. So WWE going international, fucking awesome. As far as night two of Halloween Havoc goes, I mean, they did a lot of stuff. Um, I think New Year's Day is going to be the new NXT band. Like, it was Poppy for a while. Poppy was basically the NXT house band for a while. I think it's going to be New Year's Day now which is awesome. Uh, I like their second song uh, that they played on the second night better than the first. I think it was called Hurts Like Hell, but 
the rest of the night they still used Vampire from Night 1 as the theme. So a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. They swapped out Shotzi and Scarlet for Elodon and Alba Fire, which makes sense. Um, and let me just say, I'll say this for what it's worth. They had three bangers on that show, and one of them had Dominic Mysterio in it. I mean, the Creeds versus Umberto and Angel in the opener was, was fucking insane. Um, Nathan Frazier, who I believe was Ben Carter in AEW briefly, somebody correct me down in the box below if I'm wrong. As I, I keep saying it, Dominic Mysterio is quietly becoming quite a good wrestler. Nathan Frazier is a stick of fucking dynamite, but he couldn't do what he does if somebody wasn't there to make up the numbers. It is a two-person dance. It is you're only as good as the person you're in with all the typical wrestling cliches. That match was fucking awesome. I want to see more Ben Carter, or Nathan Frazier uh, on my TV screen. I mean... He came from AEW. You know who else came from AEW is Brian Pillman Jr., now known as, what do they call him now, Lexus King, who had his debut match last week, which didn't set the world on fire, but I thought it was pretty cool. The entrance with the stage and the throne and all the things that certain people on what culture would call gaudy and melodramatic, I absolutely love, because you guys know that shit's right up my street. Him, this week, in the back getting interviewed and being like sleazy rock star and offering the interviewer candy if he stayed in, if she stayed in the locker room, it was skeevy, but I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to believe that it was skeevy on purpose. The Creeds, Umberto and Angel killed each other after that awesome match on Raw with the, uh, with the Alpha Academy. So the Creeds, it's now being speculated whether what happened on Monday was a call up or not. What else are they going to do? What else are they going to do? Put them on the main roster, have them be a super group with the Alpha Academy for a little bit, and then have them break away and, and do whatever. What we don't know, what, what, what sort of flies under the radar, is if they come to the main roster, so does Ivy Nile. And Ivy Nile's a fucking star. Ivy Nile, if she'd been called up maybe six months ago, I truly believe she would be in the Zoe Stark spot that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, that's nothing against Zoe Stark. I want Zoe Stark to be featured anyway. I want this to be a six-pack challenge. I want this to be an early Elimination Chamber. And hey, Rhea Ripley's in it. She's in Australia. Elimination Chamber's in Australia. See how it all ties together. The main event. Jesus goddamn Christ. They did 101 things to each other in that main event. But nothing is going to be dirtier than Carmelo Hayes planting Ilya Dragunov on his fucking heed on the edge of that apron. If Taz was here, he would remind us it's the hardest part of the ring. Um, you broke off two stories from that as well. You got Elia and Baron Corbin are going to go do something, and you've got uh, Trick and Mello are clearly going to do something. Everybody thought it was going to be Wesley, but no, Wesley came back to kick Dominic Mysterio's ass after he had a cool match with Nathan Frazier. Now, once the Judgment Day is done business in NXT, we we saw Becky Lynch make her bow out of NXT. When, when uh, the Judgment Day are done with their shtick in NXT, and Judgment Day in NXT is basically Dom and Rhea, which is absolutely fine. Uh, Judgment Day is a cool enough group that they can split off, but when he leaves that title in NXT, and he goes to the main roster and does something else, I don't know, put him up against Walter, because it'll be funny. Um, that title has to be fought over by Nathan Frazier and Wesley, and if Wesley's going to be an asshole heel now, that's fucking awesome. Halloween Havoc, night two, wasn't around for it. The, like I say, the days got away from me. Didn't get to do a proper review on that. Didn't get to talk about the international stuff, so I, I wedged it in here. How about that? Now let's talk about the show we've got going on tonight. And yes, it's a Saudi Arabia show. And yes, 
all the political stuff that goes along with them being in Saudi Arabia. And no, I'm not coming up here to wave the flag for the deal that WWE and TKO have with Saudi Arabia. That's not why I'm here. I am here to remind you, once again, I am once again pleading with you to understand that I am setting that to one side and talking about the content of the show. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not hiding it away. I'm setting it aside because that's not what I'm here to talk to you guys about. If you guys don't want to participate in that, that is absolutely fine. Please tune in for the next one. I'm coming up really close to a pretty significant milestone in my viewership here on YouTube. I have a small little channel here, but I'm going to hit a nice little tiny milestone. And if I do it before the end of the year, it's going to make me very happy. But I totally understand if you guys want to ditch out and not partake in me talking about a Saudi Arabia show. Much like I gave my views a couple weeks ago on that uh, angle on AEW between... MJF and Juice Robinson, with all due uh, and deserved respect to both of the talents involved. Really, really bad time. It was a rant. I like to rant. Some people here like when I rant. So if you haven't heard my rant yet on that, go back and listen to my commentary that I did a couple days after the Tuesday Night War, which was more of a slaughter. Let's be real, and let's get into the show. We've got a pay-per-view with a kickoff. That doesn't always happen. The kickoff is Sami Zayn versus JD McDonough. Now, cool for two reasons. We've set Sami Zayn on a path now. He's been split from Kevin Owens for reasons not quite uh, of his own making. He is supporting Jey Uso on Raw and his new start on Raw, and he's defending Jey Uso against everybody else that's not letting Jey Uso have a new start on Raw. But... Jey Uso being on Raw means that he just lost his friend and tag team partner, Kevin Owens, to SmackDown. So now he's got a new vision. He's got to go in a new direction. He hinted that he's going to go towards that World Heavyweight Championship, which is kind of cool because I'd really love to see Sami Zayn versus Seth Rollins. Um, if Drew wins the title, which we're going to talk about later. Sami Zayn versus Drew McIntyre would be cool as well, but we just saw it a couple weeks ago on Raw. So for that reason and that reason alone, that's enough of a reason for me to want Seth Rollins to retain here. Don't know whether it's going to happen. JD McDonough is just somebody that I like. I like, I like mini Funko Pop Finn Balor. <laughs> I really do. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, and I know he's he does the super melodramatic, you know, what's-his-name from Psycho, I'm gonna break all your fingers and bones and blah blah blah, and they did all the x-ray stuff in NXT that wasn't everybody's cup of tea. Ah, see what I did there. Sami Zayn going for JD McDonough is part of Sami Zayn's new way of going after the Judgment Day. I really do like the fact that they've got Sami Zayn and not necessarily Kevin Owens or Cody Rhodes or Jey Uso or any of the other awesome babyfaces on Raw being the one to take down the Judgment Day because he was sucked into a very powerful group on SmackDown. He has, I don't want to misuse this term, but for lack of a better term, he has the PTSD of being in a big group like that and the damage that it can do. So he not only knows how damaging a group like that can be, he knows how to get out of it. And starting at the bottom with J.D. McDonough, who WWE are still saying is trying out for, for the Judgment Day, it makes sense. You start at the bottom, you work your way to the top. The bottom is somebody who's not even technically in the group right now. Now, I will say, and I will continue to say, that the story around J.D. McDonough and the Judgment Day is fun. It, it's, um, 
it's like when me and Kristen did the massive review of like all of the MCU and it's like it's a lot of fun but it breaks if you think about it for just a second and I've said it before I'm gonna say it again for those of you that haven't heard me say it Judgment Day tried to recruit everybody I think they tried to recruit Cody they definitely tried to recruit AJ Styles and uh, and the OC they tried to recruit Matt Riddle but Matt Riddle got fucked over um, he did to go argue with the wall it's fine they tried to recruit Jey Uso they tried to recruit everybody that they possibly could JD McDonough being a brand new small guy on the scene would be equally susceptible as all of those people he wants to be in the group and he's the one that they say no to despite the fact that he has direct ties to one of the guys in the group that part of the story doesn't make any sense but if you put that aside like I say his constant efforts to basically make himself a whipping boy for the purposes of proving himself to that group is a cool story if you don't think about it too much. Sami Zayn's gonna win. Uh, he just is. For the story and for the fact that just last year or earlier this year, my, my timeline is all over the place, was the very first time Sami Zayn was ever able to participate in a Saudi Arabia show and all the pomp and circumstance that went into that. I, it's a political thing that I don't know all the ins and outs of, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. He wasn't able to go. Now he is. That's, that's all I know, and for the purposes of me watching the show, that's all I need to know. He's going to win. No matter who you put Sami Zayn against in, in these Saudi shows, he's going to win. It's a bummer that Mansoor isn't in the company anymore, because he was kind of like the hometown guy, so that kind of sucks. But it is what it is. Sami Zayn is going to win, and yes, you're going to hear me clicking, because all I have in front of me is a checklist on my screen, because it's lazy like that. So we're going to highlight that, because that's been talked about now. Let's talk about the fun match. Rey Mysterio versus Logan Paul. Is going to be a lot of fun. People are speculating that it's going to be where Legado del Fantasma falls apart. I personally think it would be really cool if Dominic Mysterio costs his dad once again and we see more like buddy cop stuff with Logan Paul and Dominic Mysterio. But I do think either through Legato uh, turning on him or through his son getting involved or through Logan Paul just cheating or through some other idiot coming out in another prime bottle costume, Logan Paul's going to win. And that's pretty awesome, and I know people roll their eyes at that, and that's fine. I don't know much about Logan Paul as a person. I don't know about the Paul brother, I, other than that they existed on YouTube before he came to the WWE. Uh, that's about it. I know about as much about the Pauls as I know about the Kardashians, as I know about the royal family. Like, let's go all over the spectrum here. I know about you if you come into my sphere. He's in WWE now. He's an outsider that's proved himself in the ring to me as a viewer. That, that's the Logan Paul that I know. The guy's a heat magnet. The guy attracts the kind of heat that The Miz and Austin Theory and even Grayson Waller, who's awesome, uh, could only dream of because he comes in with a little bit of a real life. Okay, we think this guy's actually an asshole, uh, so we're gonna boo him. But he's been great. The, the Saudi match that he had with Roman Reigns, mind you, was awesome. The match he had with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, awesome. When he tagged with the Miz, when he had a match against the Miz, um, all this stuff. It, it's very much along the same lines as the as the Bad Bunny thing. Like they're not just. I always think about uh, Hugh Jackman coming in and guest hosting Raw and sitting in, in Zack Ryder's corner and he like really awkwardly cheap shot at somebody and that was his celebrity involvement. Like the fact that we've escalated from that kind of celebrity involvement to this kind of celebrity involvement is fucking awesome. Throw, throw Pat McAfee on that pile as well. 
Now, Logan Paul, for better or for worse, attracts attention. He's a social media maven, to use his terminology, in the social media age. You put that belt on him, he puts that belt on his desk while he's doing his show or whatever, and no, I don't watch his show either, I don't listen to his show either. Hysterically, people are like, oh, it's Spaz, he's an asshole, you probably listen to him. I'm like, no, if I want to listen to assholes, I listen to Dave Lando and Steven Crowder. Come at me for that. It's fine. But I don't listen to Logan Paul unless he's interviewing a wrestler, because then there's context there. Um, it's kind of cool, like from the boring business, like, hey, we're gonna see, we're gonna have this celebrity carry around our belt for a while and get us some attention. Yes, that absolutely works, but it's not that far away from Becky Lynch walking around Raw with the NXT Championship. It's it's not the same, but it's not that far off. I wouldn't mind Logan Paul being a champion. He's gonna be a champion at some point. I'm pretty sure they're gonna belt up Bad Bunny at some point with with the United States Champion. I think that's gonna be the. Uh, the title of choice because they've put so much work into Walter and the Intercon sorry Gunther and the Intercontinental Championship. I don't think they'll use that for that. But I mean, right now Rey Mysterio is doing a feel-good group with you know this adopted family that he's got. He's having a feel-good title run to go along with that, and it's all going to come crashing down. And then the story is going to be either Logan Paul fucked me over, or my son fucked me over, or uh, the LWO turned on me and fucked me over. Those are all stories that he can have that don't require him to have the belt. Put the belt on Logan Paul, and I'll tell you why a little later on, but I don't, I don't know why you do this match if Logan Paul's not going to carry the US title for a little bit, because by putting Logan Paul in a United States Championship match, you make people picture Logan Paul with the United States Championship. It's the opposite of him going up against Roman Reigns in the sense that not even a wrestler was going to take that title off of Roman Reigns at the time, so an outsider definitely wasn't. Rey Mysterio is kind of the opposite, like super fighting champion, got a lot of things going on in his life, and he's Teflon. He can lose and it doesn't lose him anything. Logan Paul gets the win, he carries around that title for a while, and what do we say about stuff like that? It pisses off all the right people. Oh, and fuck yes. Cody Rhodes, and, uh, sorry, I will get into why Logan Paul winning the uh, United States Championship is uh, going to be awesome in a second. Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest. Now, if they're smart, they'll do some more interaction between Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn. Um, Judgment Day tries to fuck with Sami Zayn during the kickoff match with JD McDonough, and he comes back and returns the favor later on in the night for Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is popular, get him on the show twice. Sami Zayn, like I say, specifically in Saudi Arabia, because he can finally go there. Uh, people are going to want to see him, let them see him twice as well. But you see the teams sort of rising to face the Judgment Day, with the rumors of war games coming up at Survivor Series. Uh, Kevin Owens is on SmackDown now. I kind of think that they're building a team to go up against the Judgment Day, and where Kevin Owens would have been, you got Jey Uso, Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. I think they're trying to boost up Ricochet to be in that spot, because if you have Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, um, lost my train of thought now, Jey Uso and Ricochet, that's a hell of an interesting team and a hell of a guy that's got experience in the War Games match and the kind of guy with an offense that will be really, really fun in the War Games match. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest. <sighs> Cody Rhodes is going to suffer a valiant loss here. 
and I'm not just saying this because I don't like Cody Rhodes, you guys know, I'm very quickly coming around to Cody Rhodes, basically, because WWE fixed him, but we don't need to go there right now. I could make a Jade Cargill reference, but I won't! Damian Priest has the Money in the Bank briefcase, and for better or for worse, whether he's going to be the champion or not, you have to treat him, at least for now, like he's a champion in waiting, and Cody Rhodes will do a valiant effort in losing. Cody Rhodes will do what I, and I really wish I had something other than just AEW to use as a reference. I talk about the Bucks quite a bit when I, when I make this reference, but... The Bucks, when they were first establishing the AEW Tag Team Championships, they lost in the first round to, I think it was Private Party. And you would think on the surface that a win like that would, be, would, would skyrocket Private Party and be like, oh my god, they beat the Bucks, they must be awesome. But that wasn't the talking point the next day. The talking point the next day was, aww, look how nice the Bucks are, they put over another team. Which is bad, which is like anti-booking, if that makes sense. I do think that, even though people are getting on board with Damian Priest, from Backlash till now, the run that specifically Damian Priest has had has been, like, low-key one of the best builds, one of the best builds on Raw. SmackDown, obviously, the best built person is obviously Roman Reigns, and that's another conversation for another day. But, Damian Priest is built up like a machine, and people are getting behind him, and people are growing respect for him. But that doesn't come up to snuff against the people that are like ride or die, Cody Rhodes better win at WrestleMania, or we burn the building down, people. So I think Cody Rhodes, to his credit, is going to do everything he can to put Damian Priest over, make Damian Priest look like a monster, make us all think that we should worry later on in the night because he's going to cash in his briefcase. And what's going to happen instead is the Cody Rhodes fans, and as, as I say, Cody Rhodes fans are kind of like Young Bucks fans, are kind of like Sasha Banks fans in the sense of their person is going to work so hard to put the spotlight on somebody else, and those fans are going to put it right back on them, and it's going to defeat the purpose. Now, do I think Cody Rhodes doesn't deserve credit for that, if that's what happens? Absolutely not. If he goes out of his way, as he does, Cody Rhodes... This is me. I like a little bit of melodrama in my wrestling. For that purpose, Cody Rhodes is absolutely awesome. But if he goes out of his way to make Damian Priest the talking point, and at the end of that match... All you can say is, oh, isn't Cody a nice guy? He put over somebody. You're missing the switch. You can like your guy, even if you don't like Damian Priest, but you're missing the switch. You're missing what your guy is trying to do by, by flipping the switch back the other way. I hope that makes sense. I really, really do. I hope that doesn't come off as me bashing Cody Rhodes, because if he does what I'm saying that he's going to do, it is going to be amazing. Damian Priest, like I say, he's been a beast recently. He's... He's co-leader of the Judgment Day with Rhea Ripley. And keep in mind, that's a group that has Finn fucking Balor in it. I'm just saying, now Finn Balor's in, in his goofy era right now, and I absolutely fucking love it, don't get me wrong. Um, and the fact that there's sort of like two tiers of, of uh, Judgment Day right now, you've got Damian Priest, Finn Balor, and Rhea Ripley, and then you've got Rhea Ripley, Dominic Mysterio, and JD McDonough, it's like... Judgment Day, A-teams and B-teams. Absolutely awesome. I predict, honestly, Cody versus Priest might be a match of the night. Maybe? Put it down in the box below. Let me know if you think I'm wrong. John Cena versus Solo Sokoa is just going to be a spectacle. It is. 
They've made such a big deal about John Cena and the fact that he hasn't won a singles match in, like, what, three fucking years or whatever. And he's going up against Solo Sokoa, and he's going to lose again. And he's going to do, like, the anti what Cody Rhodes is going to do because John Cena in his very John Cena over the top comical way is going to lose to Solo Sokoa but he's going to sell the Samoan spike like Shawn Michaels selling anything from Hogan at SummerSlam <laughs> um, now at the end of the day Solo Sokoa is going to come out of it he's going to have a win over John Cena that's fucking phenomenal is it ultimately, hey, we've got a big show in Saudi, let's put a big name on it. Hey, John Cena's a big name, and there's other things happening in Hollywood right now. Let's definitely take advantage of that. Um, it's going to do what it needs to do, and I, that, that's a really boring way to look at it. But it, it really is. It really is going to do what it needs to do. John Cena's going to come out there and be a big name, Solo Sokoa, as sort of the low guy on the totem pole in the, uh, in the uh, bloodline. Kind of weird to think that the corresponding characters in the Judgment Day and the Bloodline are J.D. McDonough and Solo Sokoa. And that's a match I kind of want to see, actually. But, um, sort of a who-can-be-the-bigger-asshole thing. Solo Sokoa comes at him to do the spike with the thumb, and he's like, Ah, oh, I tell you, you can't do a Samoan spike if I break your thumb. Let's... Let's just agree right now that I never do accents again. That's fine. John Cena's gonna lose. There's no... There's no reason John Cena wins this. I, uh... A lot of, lot of heels. I've got Sami Zayn winning on the pre-show, and then I've got a heel winning, and a heel winning, and a heel winning. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, I hope we keep the heels winning, because Eosky is defending against Bianca Belair. And folks, I'm going to try and say this in a way that doesn't get me kicked off YouTube and other social media platforms. If you're following me on Spotify, hey, what's up? Say hi to me on Twitter, or X. Um, Bianca Belair, like, fucked off for a while. They they wrote her off with a backstage beatdown or whatever, and she's gone and done some other stuff. Apparently, she's done a TV show with Montez Ford, poor guy, and she's back, and a week later, she announces, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to get my title back in Saudi. That's it's not great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice about this, but if it was Charlotte, you guys would all be crying. And we can't, because it's Bianca. Mm, yes, we can. Now I have to say what I always say. Bianca, hell of an athlete, hell of a wrestler. As a character, I don't care about her. And the hair thing is stupid. The hair thing breaks wrestling. And bra wrestling's pretty stupid to begin with. So if you break wrestling, you've done something. Um, I don't need to have her automatically slide back into the uh, title spot. I really don't. Apparently, they're building to a women's war games match, which is absolutely fine. Get Bianca and Charlotte and... I don't know. I'd love to see Shotzi in there for the War Games match, because you guys know Shotzi's my girl. Um, I don't know. Maybe bring a babyface or two over from Raw, bring it over like a Candice LeRae, and then on the other side of the coin, you've got Damage Control plus Piper and Chelsea, maybe. Um, Piper Niven in the War Games match. Yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to see that. I would really like to see that. People are speculating that uh, Rhea Ripley's going to be involved in the War Games match, but Rhea Ripley's a kick-ass champion right now, so I'd rather not. Eosky, because Eosky is just coming into her own as champion, and I don't think she's fully going to come into her own until she goes face and turns on Bailey and Dakota and goes on a face run with that championship. So why cut her legs out from under her just because Bianca Belair felt like coming back to work? 
I'm sorry. I know that makes me sound like a dick. People that think I'm a dick for shit like this are gonna think I'm a dick anyway. So I'm 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 sorry, but I'm done saying sorry. How about that? EOS guy for the win. I hope do all the cheating you want. Do all the cheating you want. Throw Bailey in there. Have Dakota Kai do a run in, and that's how we find out that she's been cleared to wrestle. I'm absolutely fine with that. No problem whatsoever. Now, Tony Khan could take a lesson from WWE. Because WWE, in Saudi Arabia, has seven women on the card. Seven. Seven. <laughs> okay. Rhea Ripley, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. Now, if you listen to me the last time I did do a WWE last week, um, my big thing about this is I'm really surprised and really happy that they threw Zoe Stark into this, just to be like the little pit bull in the group. Because this, up until that point, was a monster mash. Rhea Ripley is awesome, Shayna Baszler's awesome, Nia Jax is also there, and Raquel Rodriguez is also there. Um, I'm glad that we're not doing the one-on-one -on -one match at a pay-per-view just yet, but you guys know me. I did a whole podcast on how, at WrestleMania, they should do what they did in NXT the night that they beat Dynamite all those years ago. They need to do Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler on a huge Big Four stage. We're not doing that just yet, which is absolutely fine. I really don't know why Nia Jax is back. And I don't say that with hate in my heart. I really don't. But she hurts people. And she's cringy, and she's not that good. And I'm yes, I know I have to do all the caveats. And yes, I'm saying that as a guy on YouTube. And yes, I'm saying that as a guy that that's never taken a bump. But I am saying that as a consumer. I am saying that as a consumer of a company with entertainment in the title. And Nia Jax does not entertain me. You are not doing what it says on the tin. Just saying. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez isn't bad. I think she's good in the ring. I she's just not a character that I care about. So if you if you broke this down to Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Starks, I would be absolutely fine. This is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Rhea Ripley is the most badass thing the WWE Women's Division has seen in a long time. I'm really tempted to say she's the biggest badass they've had in that division since China, but I know that that also strays into hyperbole, so I'm, 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 I'm hesitant to make that statement, but I'm pretty sure it's true. I love the fact that they've carved out this little niche for her on this particular show. All the other I guess you would say, like, the regular wrestlers, the Candice LeRae's and the Zia Lee's and the Becky Lynch's and the Tegan Knox's, even though she's injured again, Chelsea Piper and all. Piper could have been in this, like, for all, for all intents and purposes. But you've got all the big powerhouses in one match. And there's no polite way for me to do a ladies' version of the biggie, big men slapping man meat. So I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna open myself up to that kind of criticism. But that's exactly what it is. This this is this is a ladies' match booked with the biggie Langston mentality in mind. Um Raquel Rodriguez and Rhea Ripley are going to have some cool spots. Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley have awesome chemistry. Zoe Stark is going in there with a chip on her shoulder, something to prove, Roddy Roddy Raw. And Nia Jax is in there to make us all scared that WWE is going to make the worst decision possible. There's nothing, there's nothing about this match. There's nothing about, oh, what if they did this, what if they did that, what if they did this, what if they did that, that makes me think that this is anything other than let's just show 
here's Rhea Ripley and all the other monsters, and Godzilla is still king. I, I think it's awesome. I think they're going to pull something. I don't know what it is. I think they're going to pull out something here that we're not expecting. Maybe a debut, although I doubt it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the thing is, but this feels like the match where there could be a thing. It's a fatal five-way. It's a multi-person match, which confirms, if not heavily implies, that it's going to be no DQ, which means all kinds of other people can get involved. Now... Zia Lee, I'm not crazy. I don't think this is actually going to happen. Zia Lee is pissed off that she didn't get her hands on Becky Lynch while Becky Lynch still had a championship to fight for. That title has gone back to NXT. There's only one title for her to fight for now on Raw. Zia Lee sticking her nose in this would be an interesting, interesting uh, twist in the tail, so to speak. I don't think they're going to do it, but that's absolutely fine. If... The Creeds actually are on the main roster, and obviously that would mean Ivy Nile came with them. I would love Ivy Nile to be in here, make it a six-pack challenge. I would I would love that because, A, she could be the pit bull in the match, and it would sort of take that moniker off of Zoe Stark, because Ivy Nile is more the pit bull type character, and B, she wouldn't any longer be the smallest person in the match. I mean, the only thing you could do to make this match any funnier would be to put Zelina Vega in it. And I mean, I, I don't know what she, I don't even know if she's going to be involved. You know, limited female presence on a Saudi Arabia show. Yes, it's still a thing. No, WWE has not cured the world. I get it. Fuck off. Um, but if she is there, she's probably going to be there for the Rey Mysterio match, right? Anyways, Rhea Ripley wins this. I... I hate the expression, but I will eat my hat if somebody else takes that belt off of her. And if it's Nia Jax, just because WWE feels like doing a, oh, this will really stir them up. Rhea Ripley pulling off the Riptide on Nia Jax, and that's how she gets the win. Would be fucking fantastic. Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre is a great match with a, with a, with a shit story. I, I said it in previous podcasts, I'm not going to go over it again here, them leaning so hard on COVID storyline as they are with the Drew McIntyre character is really winding me up, which is unfortunate, because other than that, his heel turn's been pretty great, Seth Rollins as whatever Seth Rollins is, is pretty great. The match is going to be awesome. The match is going to kick ass, but I am taken out of it by the fact that they lean so hard. They put actual newsreel of COVID updates in his video package on Raw. You don't, you don't need to do that. You just don't. And call me soft or call me whatever. Like, that was the shitty... Okay, for most people, other than, you know, people that are dealing with individual personal things, for most people, that is a time that's not going to be equated in anybody's history for a long time, you know. Seth Rollins said it in his promo when he when he told Drew to basically suck it up and fuck off. When he said, you know, people lost jobs, people lost families, people lost houses, people lost friends, you know, and you're bitching that you didn't get a match in front of the people, the big, the big crowd that you wanted. Uh, sorry, I'm stumbling on my words a little bit because it does kind of piss me off. Um, 
But the fact that they put that into his promo, they underlined every reason why they shouldn't have done it in the first place, in my opinion. I know there's other people out there that think it, it adds to the story and it makes it super effective and it makes it super real and it touches at everybody's heartstrings. But this is a case where I don't think they should have. And I know that might that might put me on an island. That might put me on a here's here's Spaz on his island, and here's everybody else having a good time, and we're making a joke out of COVID. I, during COVID, I went and watched the movie Sick, which was an entire which is a comedy slasher set in COVID times because COVID times were still happening, and COVID times were stupid, and that was making fun of COVID times. This is WWE patting you on the shoulder and being, hey, remember the worst time of all of our lives? Remember that? Remember when everything was shit? Like, why? I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. WWE's done far worse things. AEW's done far worse things. TNA's done far worse things. This one, this is the one that hits me. I don't know. Like, other things that I like, other people got bugged by, and it's one of those types of things. But to me, it's like you absolutely didn't have to do this. Absolutely not. Um, as for the winner, I don't know. As I said, um, I really want to see Seth Rollins versus Sami Zayn if Sami Zayn is trying to uh, crawl his way to a title shot. But that's a long crawl because he's just starting this story with the Judgment Day. I think by the time Sami Zayn gets through the Judgment Day, he's... Seth Rollins isn't going to be the champion anymore. By the time Sami Zayn gets through the Judgment Day, he might get it, be getting his title shot against Damian Priest. And that's the other uh, part of the story. Um, Seth Rollins, they've been playing up the broken back. They did it through the Shinsuke Nakamura story, which I thought was really well done, and now I don't think they know what they're doing with Shinsuke Nakamura. His open challenge next week was answered by Tazawa, who was in a haunted house this week, which is nice. Actually, to be fair, the Haunted House stuff on NXT with Metaphor was was, was kind of goaded, not going to lie. Um, does uh, does Damian Priest cash in? I don't know. Uh, Seth Rollins' backstory means... Ha, backstory. Anyways, I popped myself and it's tired in here. Seth Rollins has the bad back. If he manages to scrape through with the bad back and uh, Damian Priest comes in like a vulture really really good really makes him look like an asshole gives Seth Rollins an excuse to go and have some time off or whatever whatever it is that he needs to do there's every reason that it makes sense for Seth Rollins to do it but also if Drew McIntyre wins and Seth Rollins can still fuck off and take his time off if Drew McIntyre wins holds the title for five seconds and gets cashed in on by Damian Priest and thinks he's been further fucked over by life and that sends him over the edge then cool that also makes all kinds of sense but now you've set up a heel versus heel feud where drew mcintyre gets booed not because he's the heel but because he's facing the fucking judgment day um granted i will say damian priest versus drew mcintyre in a heel versus heel who can be the bigger asshole match would kind of kick ass i'm talking myself into it now um but i don't know i don't know or the ultimate, the ultimate swerve that they can do with the briefcase right now is to not do anything. And that I think that becomes more and more the case with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Because we can speculate, oh, if he goes this way, this could happen. If he goes this way, this could happen. But if this guy wins and he goes this way, you can do this. If this guy loses and he goes this way, you can do this. 
when people are going in that many directions, and WWE has allowed us to go in that many directions recently, thank you, Papa H, um, the biggest swerve you can do with the Money in the Bank briefcase is nothing. And that's kind of a cool, weird place to be. I would love it. I mean, it might take him losing it and then winning it back. If Seth Rollins is the champion going into WrestleMania and Damian Priest waits that long to cash in on Rollins because the last person to cash in Money in the Bank at WrestleMania was Rollins, that would be fucking peak. That would be fucking peak. But I don't think Seth Rollins walks out as champion, but that's about all I can say. On the other side of the coin, we know exactly what's going to happen. Roman Reigns is going to kick the shit out of LA Knight with or without help. Does that mean this match is dumb? No. Uh, LA Knight is is uh, being thrown in the deep end and showing that he, he can absolutely swim. Uh, the promos that he's been cutting on Reigns has been awesome. The way Roman Reigns has, has cracked like a Ming vase uh, in the face of all this disrespect has been great. Jimmy Uso, absolutely delusional, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's fine with a capital F, has been hysterical. Solo Sokoa is just kind of there. What like he's you know he's a servant he he's got his king in Roman Reigns but he's also or at least I get the impression he's also looking around the castle seeing where things are gonna fall and I think that's really really interesting um, yeah LA Knight's gonna lose which is fine um, he's gonna get either fucked over by Paul Heyman or the Bloodline are gonna run in or there's gonna be a no finish or whatever uh, I don't think this is the main event. To be perfectly honest with you, I think they're gonna. I think if this match is in the middle of the card, you're getting a fuck finish because they wouldn't put it at the end of the show if you're gonna get a fuck finish because it leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I think WWE has at least learned that much. Um, if it goes on at the end of the night, then we're actually getting a winner, but that winner is gonna be Roman Reigns. There's no scenario unless they really want to swerve us. This is the other swerve. The biggest swerve right now is for us to all sit back on our haunches and say, ah, it's a Saudi show. If we want to really push this guy, we can't give him his first big win at a Saudi show. Well, Seth Rollins won his world championship at the last Saudi show. But my long-term prediction is, and this ties into the Rey Mysterio match from earlier, I don't think LA Knight wins the WWE Undisputed Universal Galactic Championship from Roman Reigns. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, the, the psychopaths have spoken. That, that belt has already been claimed next April by Cody Rhodes. Not much we can do about that. What we are going to do, I think, I think that they are going to turn LA Knight into the Gunther of SmackDown. LA Knight will be the one to carry the United States Championship into the same echelon that Gunther has it in right now. And how is he going to do that? We're going to get a big match. Probably at WrestleMania. And it's going to be LA Knight, yeah, taking on Logan Paul. And that is going to be, not only is that going to be a really good match, but that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a lot of amazing mic work. That's going to be a lot of you know, depending on where you fall on the wrestling fandom timeline, it's going to wind a lot of people up, and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to get the ridiculous attention that I talked about before with Logan Paul putting all that attention on a WWE championship and therefore bringing more attention to WWE. That's going to be a big, bright, motherfucking stadium-sized WrestleMania spotlight. 
And who are we going to put it on? Who are we going to put it on? With everybody saying L.A. Knight. Yeah. That's it. I think that's it. I think better than him beating Roman Reigns, which I, I honestly don't believe. And because of the way Cody Rhodes fans are, I think you get a good chunk of people that turn on L.A. Knight if they don't save that belt for Cody next April. Which is strange behavior, but I think it's good to safeguard him by not necessarily putting him against the Cody Rhodes fans. That's just my opinion. Please don't take that as gospel. It's just my opinion. But you can give somebody a championship. That's one thing. If you decide that that's going to be the person that elevates that championship, that is something else. Kind of like when uh, Austin Aries, I know this is a hell of a pull, uh... Austin Aries was the cruiserweight champion for a little bit, and they were always putting the cruiserweight championship on the kickoff. And he's and he basically went on social media and said, "Hey, listen up, fuckers! I'm going to give you a reason to watch the kickoff. If LA Knight goes into a match with Logan Paul at WrestleMania, and think about all the pomp and circumstance that went around the match with him and Seth Rollins last year. If he goes in, like I say, stadium size, WrestleMania size, big, massive." sunlight sized spotlight on LA Knight when they decide that he is going to be the one not only to win the United States Championship from Logan Paul and bring it home to the WWE which is a narrative you know they would go with but also to elevate that title to where everybody always thought it should be like the Intercontinental Championship that's bigger give you a big title or give you a title and give you the honor, I guess you could say, of making that title big. I think that's that's a huge prediction on my part. I could be totally wrong. I could be going into WrestleMania and LA Knight could be the 30th guy in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And that would suck ass. Don't get me wrong. But they have an opportunity to do something here. And they have an opportunity to do something really cool. And the reason that I'm okay with that and that I'm okay with knowing that LA Knight is not going to beat Roman Reigns this coming Saturday is because anybody in the LA Knight spot wouldn't be beating Roman Reigns this Saturday. So this is no slight on LA Knight. This is a body to fill for Roman Reigns. And in that role, LA Knight is killing it. This is the modern day who's going to face The Undertaker at WrestleMania. You know you're not going to win, so the gift is you being chosen in the first place. And yes, that sounds condescending. I hope you guys get what I mean. I'm actually really excited. As I talk more about the speculation about how this goes through Survivor Series, through the Rumble, through Perth, Australia, to WrestleMania, I'm getting really excited about this show. I know you can't do that because it's a Saudi Arabia show, but fuck it, I already put that over here. I'm excited about this show. I want to know what you guys think about this show. Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to lose? Are you somebody that's not watching? Throw that down in the comments section too. Totally fine. But if you're not watching that, then you're probably not listening to me up until this point. If you have listened to me up until this point, thank you very much. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys.